with this story. We haven't had a kind of personal story on the show in a while, so I figured I'd go ahead and we'd jump into one. My entire life has been surrounded by people with either interesting gifts, interesting perspectives, and or interesting lives themselves, especially when dealing with the occult, paranormal, things of that nature. It was just a part of life. Now, I'm going to go into a story that involves the first time I saw a different group doing a specific ceremony. It was September 1992. I had just got home from school. I lived out in the middle of nowhere, a lot of country. Uh, it was nothing back then for kids to be at home by themselves for quite a while. You know, you didn't worry about being, you know, someone busted into your house. I mean, like I said, I was in the middle of the country. I mean, bus stop, I walked, walked some more just to get to my house. It would never pass anybody, you know. But uh, that evening, uh, after my father came home, I had made arrangements with a friend of mine from school, and uh, we were going to kind of have a hangout night, you know, I don't want to call it a sleepover, but that's what we ended up kind of doing. My father and my mother were going to be going out that evening, you know, uh, we had food in the house, we were going to make some food and just hang out, and they would get home probably around uh, 11 o'clock that night. We were good with that. I never gave them a reason not to trust me to be by myself, and, uh, and it worked out good. 
my friend Chris came over. Doing stuff, you know, kid stuff. You know, running around, just being kids, playing, you know, hitting a baseball, playing frisbee, that sort of thing. Well, later that night, we were starting to get bored. I said, you know what we should do? We should go over to Mr. Zambori's property, which was a property across the road. He had a lot of land. Now, Mr. Zambori did not live in the state. He was a absentee owner, if you will. I believe he lived in Ohio, so uh, we kind of were caretakers for that land. Now, on his property, though, there used to be I'm not quite sure. I always wondered. I know part of it was a farm because there was a barn way back in the woods and what was left of a house and outbuildings and things like that. But if you walk down the rocky outcropping, uh, you'd see a, like remnants of extra little buildings. So I don't know if it was mining or what, what it was used for at that point in time, but it was old. I would say it hadn't been occupied probably since the 1930s. I know it wasn't the 40s, so probably the last time it really had been occupied was the 30s. So I thought, well, let's go hang out back there and, and like, pretend we're Indiana Jones and just go through and see what we can find, you know, like we're treasure hunting, you know. It's a beautiful piece of property, you got a stream running through it, and it was probably about 110 acres, maybe, maybe bigger. Maybe 130, 40 acres. So it took a while to get back in there. Uh, it wasn't any actual road, so we just kind of walked down deer paths to get to this place. Now, we left the house, oh, it was probably 3.30, 4 o'clock. Made our way, you know, back into the woods, hanging out, playing around that. Well, we ended up starting to see some weird things hanging in the trees. Um, bundles of sticks. Oh, there was a lot of wild grape vines that grew in the woods around my property. And we were starting to see braids of wild grape vines. Different types of groupings of rocks. Little tiny, well not tiny, maybe three foot round stone circles. Looked like fire pits, but they'd never been burned in. We found a few dead animals, but that's nothing unheard of. Uh, sometimes people during hunting season would shoot something and, you know, forget about it or they couldn't find it. But we're walking through the woods and we're getting past, we had just stopped over and checked out what was the remains of that old house. And we were hanging out around that barn. We found uh, part of an old uh, pitchfork and old coal shovel and things like that. And nothing too exciting. But as we're standing in that barn, we started to hear four-wheelers coming through the woods. And I'm like, who's that? They shouldn't be even on Zumbor's property, because, I mean, my dad took care of the place, you know, made sure it was posted and the fences were up and things like that. So why are these people doing on Zumbor's property? Thought they might be poachers looking to shoot deer at night, because it's starting to get dusk. Oh, here comes one, here comes another. Four quads or four wheelers come through the woods. Go past our location. So we had the bright idea 
Hey, let's uh, let's go sneaky and see what uh, see what we can see. You know, kind of hide in the bushes, that sort of thing. Try to figure out where these quads went. That way, when I got back to the home, I could tell my dad, hey, so-and-so was on these quads, and, you know, what else not. So, I end up, uh, me and Chris start walking. And we're being kind of still kids, you know, so making kind of light of the situation, pretending we're army men, you know, going through the woods. We're, we're special forces, and we're, we've got our, our pocket knives, and you know, and our big sticks, and we're ready to do battle. Well, we start hearing some talking in the woods. Now, out of this talking, we started to see the movement. And we noticed that there were about four guys and three women, all around the age of 20-something, I'd say. And they also had uh, one person uh, bound. I was like, why Why is this person's hands tied? You know, it, it didn't seem right. But they didn't seem like they were trying to escape either. Wasn't quite sure about that. Uh, they kept talking to her, you know, and they were getting, uh, getting ready for something. Uh, they unpacked their backpacks and their bags. And they completely disrobed right there in the woods. Uh, Chris and I were like, what just happened? What are we seeing? This is something you don't see every day. A group of naked people standing in the woods. We were young boys, so this was very interesting, to say the least. They took the girl that was bound and removed her clothing as well. As I said, she wasn't fighting them. It was her hands were tied in front of her. She stood up. They took her clothes off. That was weird enough. And then it started to get weirder. They ended up collecting items to build a fire. So they were trying to not be seen at this point in time and trying not to make any noises. But we did notice that they did have some rather large machetes and one guy had a hatchet, so we weren't looking for any type of confrontation, considering we were just kids. And we knew we probably shouldn't be seeing what we're seeing, but we're going to stand there and try to figure out what they're doing. Didn't have a camera, of course, why would we have a camera? You know, not even an instant camera of any type. So, Chris is starting to get a little... A little annoyed, a little worried. Man, how are we going to get back? If we move too much, they're going to know we're here. I said, well, just hold on. Let's see what's going on. Well, I knew we had plenty of time before my folks got back, but the last thing you want to do is be stuck in the woods in the middle of the night. I didn't have a damn flashlight. He didn't have a flashlight. Didn't have a lighter. Didn't have a pack of matches between us. So, we're sitting there in the bushes. And then they proceed to put masks on their faces. Now, these masks looked a lot like, uh, they were just like uh, plain white masks, I guess. Kind of made them look like a mannequin when they put the masks on. Well, that was a little weird. Then they started doing 
their chants, a low murmuring chant. And that was very off-putting because it seemed to start to get really intense. The girl that they disrobed was still disrobed. But the one guy or girl, I just can't remember if it was a guy or the girl, pulled out a rabbit and held it over her. Um, this rabbit was deceased, but it was wasn't, you know, it had been shot or something, I'm assuming. Well, they ended up gutting this rabbit above her. Which was just pretty gross for a kid. <laughs> it was pretty gross. So, of course, everything in the rabbit started to pour out onto her. Onto her head and neck and on down. Then they went over to her with a... It was a stick. I will call it a wand. I'm assuming. Went around her head with it. Not hitting her, just moving the motion of the, the wand, the stick, around her head. Then another one came over with a large knife, pointy knife what I now know is called an athame, and scratched into this woman's stomach a symbol. Was not close enough to see what the symbol was. Remember, we're trying to hide and not be there in, in their vision. Then, out of nowhere, this woman started screaming absolutely screaming like she was being murdered but no one was touching her another masked person came around and had a large headdress on with a small set of deer antlers on the top and proceeded to take advantage of that situation in front of the entire group. Now please, I don't think I have to draw a picture of what the man did to the woman in the woods. She was still alive, so we're going to rule one of them out. But, uh, yeah, that type of thing, um, seeing it being done in the woods by strangers carrying knives and hatchets naked was weird for a young guy for anybody who would see that in the woods as that was going on the other ones pulled out more animals and started to anoint both of them with those animals the same way that the first person did to just the woman. The chanting got louder, the screaming got louder. It was very intense. 
They kept building the fire up a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And then it just stopped. Perfect silence. And then the woman who was bound started talking in a voice that did not sound like it was her own. I know that sounds strange, but her voice did not sound like hers, like the screams. It sounded very masculine. And believe me, she was a woman. But the language she was speaking at that time, I had no idea what she was saying. Chris looked at me like, this is something out of a movie. What in the world are we witnessing here? Now my area in Pennsylvania was very well known for having a lot of cults in the area and they ran through Pennsylvania into Ohio. Every one of them seemed to be a bit different. Uh, but this one was the uh, weirdest one I think I've ever witnessed. At least to that time. I had seen other things, but nothing this wild, nothing this open. It's nighttime now. It had gotten so dark. The only thing we could see was the light of that fire. Even the people around the fire were starting to fade away. It was getting so dark in that forest. We had to get out of there. So, in the beginning, we started off very quiet. Until Chris tripped. Then it was a mass panic on our part. Confusion. But then we realized they now know we're here. They started gathering things up. The man who had the headdress on removed the headdress, picked up a hatchet, and started calling out, Who's there? Come out. Now, I did not recognize these people before. I don't know where they're from. I'm just hoping they don't know who we are and where we live. Last thing you want to be is stalked home by a bunch of naked occultists. This guy was extremely angry and he started coming our way. I told Chris to stay close. We need to go back to where the creek was and follow it back up and we'll end up about a block and a half down the road from where uh, we started. I knew the woods in the daylight, not so well at night, but I knew that's where we'd end up. So there we go. We're running. He's running. Then in the distance, we hear the sound of the four-wheelers start up. They have headlights. Great. So 
now we're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? We, we keep going? Do we double back? Do we try to hide at this point and hope they don't find us? Well, finally, after all that noise, and Chris is yelling, he's screaming, and I'm trying to get him to stop screaming because he's giving our position away. We're trying to hide still. We hear somebody else yelling from in front of us. Now I'm like, great. They have more people that we never saw, and they're in front of us now. Apparently, someone else had heard the quads kick over, heard the yelling and the woman screaming. It was our neighbor, or my neighbor, from down the road. They lived on another farm. His name was Bill, and I'm yelling for Bill. He's like, who's there? I said it was me and Chris, but we're being followed by people on quads. Well, nobody goes in the woods in my area without a gun. So we finally see Bill. He's got a flashlight. We're running to him. I can't see him, but I'm hoping it's Bill. And it was. So we're standing there behind Bill. We start walking through the woods. We see two headlights, two different quads coming up along the ravine. Bill opens up with a shotgun and he is firing down that ravine because the guys on the quads are yelling if we catch you we're gonna kill you I was gonna believe them it just seemed logical with what they were doing they would be pretty serious about it soon as he opened up the one guy flipped the quad the other guy spun around turned around the other guy jumped on his quad and they took off back down the woods. Well, at this point in time, we didn't realize that Bill's wife, Bonnie, had already called the police. Now, we had no actual police in our area. We didn't have a police department. Our area, when it was patrolled, was patrolled by state patrol. We didn't have the sheriff's department or anything in our area. There was, there was nobody. I mean, you could go a thousand miles an hour down a road and no one would pull you over. It'd be crazy if you did. It was full of potholes and they were dirt, but you could still do it. So finally, State Patrol are on their way. Uh, we see them, the lights, the red and blue lights coming on the opposite uh, hillside. So it's going to take them about, I don't know, eight minutes to get to where we were at at that point in time. They finally got there. We told them what had happened. I knew I was going to be late getting home at this point in time. Say it was Chris. We're standing in uh, the Bortness's front yard, and uh, we see a car coming down the road. And there it was. There was my mom. There was my dad. Wondering why we were out. And then we had to go back into that story, and police officer talked to them about what our claims were, what we saw. Which was all true. The very next day, we took him exactly back to where it was. We found that overturned quad. Interesting. Tag on to that story in just a second. Showed him what they were did and, you know, where the animals were laying and everything. So uh, we knew we had a bit of an issue. and We didn't know how bad that issue was going to be. Well, the police later on found out that the person who owned that four-wheeler found out where that was registered and who it was registered to. 
they had tried to uh, sand off the serial numbers of that four-wheeler, but they forgot to get the one that was on the engine block itself. Tracked them down to a group that was from South Butler, which is the bigger city, bigger town, where I, where I grew up. Uh, they were very much into uh, a lot of dark things, and they had been looked at previously in a possible connection to an abduction case uh, from another city altogether. Well, long story short, Chris and I never went back into those woods at night again. Now, after that experience, I was sat down by members of the family and our inner circle of people we knew. And that's when I found out about a lot of uh, what was going on in our group of people. It was my first open door into the world of the occult. And after that, I have been involved one way or another with the studies of the occult and the paranormal, witchcraft, demonology. Please don't get me wrong, I've spent a lot of time in many different denomination churches. But religion to me is a, well it is, it is a man-made construct, the concept of it. What you worship, what you believe, can be any religion. Your belief in the earth and the land and yourself are as if not more important than anything else. You see, there is good practices and bad practices. Just like different groups of different people doing different things. You're always going to have the bad ones. You can't have the bad ones without the good ones. And Their concept of bad may be not what our concept of bad is. Maybe to them that was okay. Everything was fine. But the mutilation of the animals was a bit intense for a kid to witness. Yes, we shouldn't have been there. I get that, but they shouldn't have been there either. And finding out about their ties to other criminal activities, um, that alone suggests they weren't practicing white magic or positive magic of any type. It was definitely a dark magic ceremony that we stumbled onto that day. Chris never came back to my house. We never hung out there. If I need, wanted to see Chris, it would be at his place or out and about somewhere else. But 
I think that really got to him. He was absolutely terrified. Matter of fact, he did go to therapy for a while. So, me, it just intrigued me more than anything. I've always had people around me say, my gosh, man, you've had some weird experiences. Yes, I have, and I am very proud to have had them because those weird experiences have made me who I am today. And I, I gotta say, I don't like a lot of things about me, but I like, you know, who I am. And it took me a long time to get to that point. I don't want to be arrogant. I'm not overconfident. I'm just very comfortable with me. And I think that's a good lesson for a lot of people. Be who you are and the way you are. And be proud of it. Because you're only here for so long, so... Keep a little weird. Remember the stories of what made you who you are today. Always remember where you come from and try to learn a little bit more about yourself every day. I was told at one point in time I should write all these stories down. They'd make an amazing book series. Maybe someday. But for right now, I think I like this format a little bit better. And I hope you do too. I know it's a little bit of a departure from the last couple episodes that Paranormal Conclave has done, but I, I just thought I'd uh, take the opportunity to share this strange story, one of many, many, many more. And I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a little entertainment out of it. And uh, thank you once again. And as always, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Conclave. Join us next time for another haunting discussion on the things outside our normal realm of reality and thinking.